Deep in the farthest recesses of the most distant jungle lies a city. A city populated by the most mysterious, terrifying, and downright grotesque denizens ever seen by mortal eye. Here, in the darkened corners of this cavernous locale, sits an ordinary, average brick building with an innocuous, ordinary, average, blinking neon sign which reads, On Air. It is here where each week, Seth Breedlove and Mark Matsky convene to discuss the greatest mysteries the world has ever known. Now, strap on your hiking boots, grab your trusty walking stick, and don't forget your machete as we begin our journey through Monsteropolis. This is Monsteropolis, a show about monsters, anomalies, legends. This is Monsteropolis. What? <laughs> I, I'm just leaving it. This is Monsteropolis, a show about anomalies, legends, and monsters. What did I say it was a show about? Monsters? <laughs> anyway, my, my name is Seth. I'm one of your hosts, Seth Breedlove. I'm joined, as always, by my pal, Mark Matsky. Hello there. It's getting warm in this office. Yes. Um. At least we're being serenaded by Wadsworth's yeah, finest, endless, Caroline. I can't, I can't <laughs> deal with it. Uh, speaking of Wadsworth, if you're interested, the show airs live on Wadsworth Community Radio yeah. um, on 97.1 FM. At some time, I'm unsure of. <laughs> I don't know. It plays on the radio. 21 hours every day. Yeah. Monsteropolis on Wadsworth Community Radio. Okay, so we were talking about this, and I just went live anyway. But um, the okay, so the twenty twenty one STM slate. Mm, yes, um, we're about to. Start, we 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 have to get ready. The Kickstarter's coming up, so we have to start getting next year's slate crazy. prepared. Yeah, it's even true though. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even show you this. <laughs> Did I show you that? That's for from the opening title screen. No way. There's gonna be animation that leads into oh that. Oh my gosh. Um. Yeah, the the 2020 slate starting to come together. So we are we are preparing for 2021, and and this is as of now. I'm saying this is kind of a, a, an indicator of how things are going to go, um, sort of moving forward. Um, uh, the the nice. t- basically in 2021, there's only going to be one of the sort of standard STM feature documentaries. Uh, Similar, you know, I'm talking about the. Flatwoods Monster slash Boggy Creek. Yeah, Boggy yeah. Creek, Bell Witch, Mothman Legacy style movies. Um, and it's going to be uh it's gonna be announced soon. So there's, so there's only gonna be one of those. Um and then there's going to be multiple on the trail of projects launching um this year. And uh we we just announced today, so by the time this is out, this is going to have been announced in Mm -hmm. fact i would actually assume that there's going to have been a poster unveiled for this one so uh on the trail of ufos season two uh is going to come out uh probably around june of next year is what i'm looking for for release date um this is going to be released in an interesting way uh it is going to be available episodically on on dvd and blu-ray and then 
viewable through streaming episodically only on 1091's unidentified channel, streaming channel. Everywhere else, it's going to be edited into two movies. The first movie is called Dark Sky. The second is called uh, The Night Visitors or Night Visitors. Um, you'll learn more about what it's about over the months ahead. But basically what I'm saying is it's really similar to, to how we did on the trail of Bigfoot season one, where it was really only, only viewable episodically on DVD and Blu-ray. Um, and then eventually YouTube. And then it was taken off YouTube, but the way these things are intended to be seen is episodically, unless I say otherwise. So on the trail of UFOs season two, you're going to want to watch episodically and and buy it on DVD and Blu-ray. You're not going to lose anything with the, the film version of it. Um, but, but it's not necessarily the format I intended it to be seen. Mm. Um, you'll learn what that's about anyway. So on the trail of UFOs two, um, there's also going to be on the trail of Bigfoot, the journey, which we've already, already shot. We're already at three titles right now, by the way, four, if you count both of the individual UFOs movies as separate films. So we're already at, at the, the film, the, the feature film, small town monsters presents film, um, on the trail of, of UFOs, uh, dark sky and on the trail of UFOs, night visitor on the trail of Bigfoot, the journey, the one that we haven't announced, but I kind of did already on my private stuff is, um, on the trail of Bigfoot, the discovery. So what does that bring us to five? Yeah. On the trail of, of the Lake Michigan Mothman might be happening. So that's six. And there's another on the trail of secret project that's in <laughs> pre-production as well. So we, we might be looking at seven titles next, next year. So even and though we're the, going down to then the rom-com that you really yeah, want, I'm make. also working on um, <laughs> happily never after the, <laughs> that had to have been a movie title at yeah, some point, right? I would think so. Okay. Um, so yeah, there's, it's going to be a 2021 is going to be an insane year. So even though we're losing, I guess one of the traditional STM docs, the main reason is so we can really make the STM feature docs, uh, uh, an event, you know, like kind of go back to not go back. There's never been a point other than Minerva came out that where, mm-hmm. where there was only one a year, but make them a, a big deal. Like yeah. this is coming out. We have invested a year into putting this together and, put out something that, you know, is, is above and beyond everything else out there. That is the goal on the trail of continues to be, um, just a blast to make and really just, just more attainable when it comes to, to budget and stuff like that. So we're really excited about all the, all the, uh, we're really excited about all the, on the trail of stuff, um, we have coming and, and for people who are going to look at this and say, well, they're only doing UFOs and Bigfoot this year. I know I mentioned some others. There's more coming. We're just, you have to get year by year. We have to get through each year. People want more on the trail of Bigfoot. I want to do more on the trail of Bigfoot. Yeah. Um, there, more people have seen on the trail of UFOs in a shorter time frame than I've seen anything of ours. We're talking millions and millions of people have watched it. And so we're, we're going to do a second season of that just because the demand is there. And then for, for the other stuff, there's more coming. We have, we have a lot we want to do with on the trail. I'm excited for 2021 beyond that. Um, we're going to do another book for the Mark and I are literally sitting here discussing the other book. So there's yes. going to be another STM book that's coming as part of next year's Kickstarter. Um, 
So I guess stay tuned maybe for Mm -hmm. like official announcements about that Um, and all the other rewards. Kickstarter is going to launch in February. It's hard to believe we're coming around to another Kickstarter. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, and as you were, you know, rolling all those titles out, it's it's funny because like on the trail of Bigfoot, the journey is going to be like a time capsule Mm -hmm. for real when we go back and really start working on It would have felt that way though if we released it a month or two later. Right. I think. Yeah, like, I know you're think, right. That's I think true. That specific time is such a a turning point in some in so many ways mm-hmm. um, for all of us. And like just a, a look at a, a very maybe a once in a lifetime point yeah. in, in history, not just for us as people, but for the country. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's going to be wild. I can't mm-hmm. wait. That's the next thing I'll start editing after, oh. after bell. Yeah. Cool. So I'll, I'll be into that in November when we're starting to film on the trail of UFOs, mm-hmm. I'll be editing on the trail of Bigfoot, the journey. So next year's a big, uh, big, big year for, for those wondering what on the trail of Bigfoot, the discovery is it's going to revolve around the, um, uh, Pacific North, a return trip to the Pacific Northwest and specifically the Olympic peninsula. And hopefully with our good friends, at the Olympic project and some surprise guests. You might see Shannon back in on the trail of Bigfoot with that one. So, um, and Shannon's back obviously for UFOs as well. So big year. Anyway, uh, this episode, we're going to talk about things and stuff. Yeah. What do we got? We got letters. We've got letters, which is cool. Mm -hmm. Um, here's one that came in on the 28th of August. Hey guys, just listen to the new podcast episode. If you're going to do another book, May I suggest you do a Art of Small Town Monsters featuring the posters from each movie, some of Adrian's fantastic drawings from each movie, and the various St. Jean artworks. Mm. One book encompassing all the films with posters, variant posters, mock-ups, production drawings, etc. And that's from Dan. This was something we talked about doing two years ago. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I might have even pitched this to, to Anomalous. Oh, um, so, yeah, so yeah. The, the, there's actually what you're talking about with the posters is pretty much in the book you're going to get. Um, if you bought this book, the Kickstarter book, mm-hmm. uh, for this year, making monsters. Um, I think most a good, a good number of the posters are represented in that book. See, when I think of an, uh, uh, an art of book, what I want is a book that takes all the art like every piece of art Mm -hmm. from the interior of the movies. And that's what the book is. So like all of Matt Harris's illustrations, uh, Surway, Scalf, Adrian, right. Like all these different Mark Randall, like Mm -hmm. all the people who've worked on the artwork scene in the movies over the years. Cause I think one thing about that is when you're watching it on screen, it's there for five to eight seconds tops and it's gone. Mm-hmm. And so to have it in a book and be able to really like study some of the, that stuff would be really cool. And a lot of the stuff sitting in this office right now. Yeah. Yeah. Should be in that book. Really. That's true. Yeah. And, and I mean, yeah, cause we have even the book, even like a uh, Santino's book from the opening of right. the Bray road beast. Exactly. Would be awesome to have mm-hmm. in there. Yeah. It's, it's something we want to do at some point. Um, we just have to see, I mean, this is all the stuff with the books is going to roll out real slow. We just kind of, it's so expensive for us to do it. So, and we don't care. I don't think we're in the book business to like, <laughs> to like make a billion right. dollars, but, but we have to be able to support, sustain what we're doing mm-hmm. and make sure that there's an audience for what we're doing. So with each book we'll put out, you know, it's going to be 
a wait and see kind of game and see, you know, are people going to support this or is this, you know, if, even if we did do an art of book, like what you described, that would be a ton of stuff. I mean, oh. when you stop to think about all of the sketch from the sketches to the practical elements and everything in did between, you, it'd be huge. It'd be did, like 500 pages. Yeah. Did you see Adrian's, this sheer number of, of uh, paintings and stuff Adrian did for Mothman legacy. Mm-mm. There's like a, I think it's still in there. There's her, there's an, there's a folder just full. Oh, I mean, you, yeah. I don't think people understand. She probably did 40 or 50 illustrations for that. Mark Randall for UFOs did 90 plus. It was 90 plus illustrations mm-hmm. in UFOs. So right there, you're looking at 150 pages yeah, just easy. on those two artists from two projects from the last year. Like you, you wouldn't have enough. Yeah. It would have to be like a series of art of books. And, and, but what you would want to do is you'd want to have their artwork and then interview them about their process and like, what, you know, what did you do? You right. might have to go title by, t- not title by title, but year by year or something. Sections like of yeah. movies. Yeah. Cause there, there have been early on, it was pretty much just Matt and, um, and then it became Matt and Maz did a few on, mm-hmm. on Whitehall boggy. We had Matt Maz and uh, Brandon Scalf and a few uh, licensed from Chris Scalf. But it went way up with Mothman, and then it just got crazier from there. We mm-hmm. really started relying heavily on that artwork. So it's an awesome idea, something I want to do. I mean, we we really want to do these books. I think Mark Mark's sort of the book uh, guru at STM. If Andy's the poop guy, you're the... <laughs> <laughs> if Andy, uh, you're the book guy. Then that right. makes you the book guy. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll I'm not going to give any sure. context for that phrase either. <laughs> um, but yeah, if I just, I, I think you have a very uh, good sense of like what you want to see in a book and like things, things like that. And I, I know Adrian reads a, a ton. I don't read anywhere near as much as I once did, but, but I love books and, mm. and just getting to see some of this stuff in a book is really special. So the Kickstarters right now give us the perfect avenue to do this because we know how big the audience is going into it. We know how many people are going to support the books. Way more people bought those books than I thought would. Mm-hmm. And what are we, what are we, there's like 200 some people bought that book, right? Yeah. I yeah, mean, that's was... a ton of people. Um, so we're, for now, that's the plan is, is Kickstarter, but we, we, we would love to do, you know, to be able to sell these things outside the Kickstarter as well. So kind of comes down to audience. If you want more STM books back the Kickstarters, because that's the best way to, to make it happen beyond the Kickstarters. Cause once we see there's an audience for that, then we can start publishing throughout the year. Like we do other books throughout the year, mm-hmm. you know, just one a month, just crank them out. <laughs> Mark will love it. <laughs> just be writing every, yeah. every book. Um, yeah. So Good, good suggestion too. Yep. Yeah. The other thing with that he mentioned just in passing is uh, it would be fascinating to get into uh, Gene St. Jean's creative mm-hmm. process. And we have a lot of that artwork yeah. lying around too. Yeah. Cool stuff. Okay. Um, another letter here. And this one, ha- unfortunately, has been waiting a little bit to be read. And that's mm-hmm. on me. But it says... Hey, Monster Boys, Sky from Japan here. Recently, I watched Jeremy Corbell's documentary, Hunt for the Skinwalker. I've also since started reading the book, 
It's based on by George Knapp under the same name. I'm curious of your thoughts on Skinwalker Ranch and if you have any opinions on either the book and or the doc. Mm. I find it fascinating that there's such a diverse range of phenomena at work in Utah. UFOs, Bigfoot-like beings, blue and yellowish orbs, poltergeist trickery, cattle mutilations, portal rifts, animal disappearances, and more. I find the baby calf splayed and exsanguinated to be one of the most compelling because it happened with snowfall and there wasn't blood anywhere. Now, I can't make heads or tails of orbs and poltergeists, but I trust Knapp's reporting, and I just wonder who or what is causing all that chaos. Hope to hear your thoughts, and I look forward to STM and Monsteropolis's future. Can't wait for the Kickstarter rewards to roll out. Thanks, guys. Take care, your pal, Sky. Hey, regarding those Kickstarter rewards, by the time this is out, they should be in the mail. So... Um, obviously if you're in Japan, it's going to be a little, a little longer, a little longer than that. But, um, I, I do know that we are at the phase in the Kickstarter reward ordering where we have been ordering boatloads of shipping supplies, which is usually where, you know, it'll be shipping out the next week. So next Mm -hmm. week, uh, all the DVDs and Blu-rays are going to be here Saturday and posters should be here before then. So we really should have all this stuff in the mail soon so we're excited about that nice um the the skinwalker ranch movie i can't remember what is it called hunt for the skinwalker is that the name of the corbell movie it must be i think it is you know like corbell um who there was a did you read the rolling stone article about corbell no just came out really oh Oh, i mean speaking of exsanguinated yes did i nail that you nailed it all right good uh (laughs) No, I mean, it eviscerated him. Like, there's no other mm-hmm. way you could read this. I'm sure he thinks it's the coolest thing on earth, but he comes across as it's not good. Like, oh. it, it really just, yeah, it's a, it's a, it does not paint him in a, in a very glowing way. But, um, the doc, I, you know, like, I, it's, I had the same issue with it that I've had with everything I've seen of his so far, which is like, just get yourself out of it. Stop. I'm not here for you. Like, I'm here to learn about Skinwalker Ranch. My favorite parts of the movie revolve around nap and naps work mm-hmm. and and that includes the parts that are just the movie playing naps documentary because it keeps jumping in and out of naps documentary and then back into corbell's and okay. I'm, i was much more focused on what was happening in naps documentary mm-hmm. my issue with the skinwalker ranch is from watching that movie i still have no idea what happened at skinwalker ranch or what has happened i mean you you have an overview, but it's a weird overview that's seen through this lens of like present day. And like, there's a scene where like Robbie Williams and all these people are sitting around a fire talking and Hey man, I love Robbie Williams. I'm here for millennium, but <laughs> I don't, I don't get it. Like I, I just have you, you haven't seen it yet. I have not seen it. Um, But you have seen Lazar, the Lazar yes. one. Mm-hmm. And like, it falls into that same rut. You just spend way too much time focusing on the filmmaker and not the subject. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I just want to learn more about Skinwalker Ranch. Like that's, that's what I come away from it with. Mm-hmm. And I feel it's a, it's a strange thing to see. I'm not blasting Corbell here either. Just for the record, I, he's a filmmaker. It's awesome that he makes movies. It's a hard thing to do having said that, like we get your cool and like you got your cool house and all that stuff. But like we, <laughs> I, I, it's a strange thing to see, uh, to see nap involved in these projects because 
Knapp has made a, a name for himself by and and won awards and all this thing for being mm-hmm. a very objective, um, straight-laced re- reporter, essentially yeah. journalist. It's a um, hard journalist. A hard journalist. Yeah. And these movies are the to me the polar opposite of that. There's they're they're not really objective. Um, they're really like Lazar is convincing you out to convince you that Bob Lazar worked on UFOs at, at area 51. And this one's, I'm not even sure what the point of this one is. I really am not. Um, the Skinwalker Ranch movie really seems to just focus on, on random side stories. And I just want to, I want to know, you know how we made our, Oh, that's super. Uh, I'm not trying to be, this isn't like an egotistical thing, but you know how we made our movie, our Mothman movie, a chronological look at the, the Mothman story. Mm-hmm. That's what I want with Skinwalker Ranch. I just want to know what has happened there. Right. Like I learned a thousand times more from listening to the Astonishing Legends series on Skinwalker Ranch than I did from, from this movie. I, I just don't, yeah, I haven't drawn much from it at all. Mm. Yeah. But I haven't read the book either and you're sitting here with the book, so obviously right. you have. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, what's weird is yeah, when I picked the book up again last night, it's got a Borders sticker oh, on the back right hand. My copy corner. of The Haunting of Hill House still has the the Borders sticker on. Yeah, the back. yeah, yeah. So I I devoured it when it first came out, and so I hadn't really gone back to the text until very recently. And I mean, the book obviously goes through, and it's it's very much taking you through the instances and the things that happened at the ranch. And to me, the the real story of Skinwalker Ranch is the story of the family, mm-hmm. which you you get into that in in great detail in the book, it's especially the opening. On. Yeah, it's not touched on in the movie at all. I, f- wow. I feel like hardly at all. Yeah, see that's strange because when you you read the first two chapters and it's it's heavily, I mean the story is told through their experiences, beginning with their chase after one of those giant wolves that appears on the site. But also there's a ton of area local history that goes into it. That's utterly fascinating. That I completely forgot about. That's the that stuff blew I want. my mind. Yeah. That's the stuff I want because I've heard that stuff, but I heard it on astonishing legends mm-hmm. and you get, you get pieces of things like that, but it's like he, he can't figure out a way to compile it all. And still give himself enough screen time looking cool. <laughs> that's, that's what I came away from. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, I a lot of times, and understandably so, I mean, because I, I only heard of this book because of George Knapp, but George Knapp's not the only author of the book. It's also uh, Colm Kelleher, mm-hmm. who was involved in NIDS, which is the, the scientific group that established a presence at the Skinwalker Ranch, who is also contributing and bringing a very sober, scientifically minded perspective to the things that were being encountered there. And it's really fascinating to read because you have a legitimate, you know, in the academy, so to speak, scientist who's talking about how hard it is to sort of objectively test this stuff. Like, how do you, how do you come up with a control and a test for a weird light that you can't even you know, anticipate when it's going to appear or disappear. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important because you hear that this is something we've talked about many, many times in different settings. But how do you, from a 
how do you apply the scientific method to phenomena that by nature resists going to abide by yeah, those rules? Right, and that's what Kelleher, I think, really his voice comes through in describing that struggle, which I think is is very disarming. I mean, it's not it's the opposite of we've got this figured out, and it's the opposite of debunking it. He's just saying hey, there's a bunch of stuff here that there's no way to to um, measure. Mm-hmm. And so what do we do with that? And to make matters worse, when we started to think of ways to measure it, the phenomena resisted all of those things. It wouldn't appear on command. And if we had a recorder set up, nothing would appear until we took it down and then the phenomena would go crazy and people would, you know, like spook light stuff. People would report seeing spook lights all over the place the moment after we took the camera down. And so what, what is, what's that? And that's sort of the, the sense that you get of that. So yeah, I mean, absolutely. George Knapp, I think, helped shape the story and put it into a journalistic format. And that's how I heard of it in the first place was him being on Coast to Coast. I ran out and got the book. But um, so it's Knapp and Kelleher both. And, you know, if you take what Kelleher says at face value, there was a team of credentialed scientists out there who were risking their professional reputations by just being involved mm. by expressing an interest in the unexplained. What is, what is the skeptical argument or what, what do skeptics say about Skinwalker? Do you know? Well, off the top of my head, I don't, I don't know what they would say except beyond what skeptics and debunkers would. It's all owls and <laughs> yeah. Well, right. It's I mean, navigation of sure. I, or something. <laughs> It's such a weird stew of things. You know, I don't know. Some of it, I suppose, you could chalk up to um, just human activity. Mm. You know, people who, and this comes through loud and clear in the book, people who bought property in a relatively deserted area. They were leaving a, a small city and the culture that goes along with that of everyone knowing your business, intentionally going out to a remote location and... A skeptic could potentially say, well, some of what they saw was just human activity. Lights, you know, that could, you know, lights moving in the distance, that could have been an RV, could have been a Jeep, mm-hmm. um, could have been hunters on their property. And these are people who are hypersensitive to people being on their property, not only because they wanted privacy, but they've got rather expensive livestock that they don't want people poaching or, uh, you know, even eliminating a, a small percentage of their livestock would be bad news for their bottom line that year. So I, I imagine that that could potentially be part of a skeptical look at that. But the array of strangeness that was there is so weird and particular that it's it really does defy any easy explanation. I'm thinking of things like these rather large ox or, or I forget ox or steer or whatever they were, maybe just big uh, cows stuffed into a small, uh, like a, a trailer or. An, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. That's the one. That's the one that always was interesting. Yeah. Me. Yeah. Um, and they, you know, it's kind of like our, our buddy Stan Gordon says, you know, you can, you can fool people, but you can't fool animals. Mm-hmm. If they're spooked, there's a reason and for them to be stuffed into this area and and visibly troubled and reacting to the weird thing that's happened to them, you know, it's hard to fake that. And and why would 
why would people do that? Uh, you know, why would if they were interested in messing with the livestock, you would think it would be to either you know hurt them or or take them away and try to sell them as your own, but to just stuff them into a small space seems like a really random act of vandalism or tomfoolery or but whatever th you want to call it. This involves a lot more than just like lights and and right. There's like um, obviously there's like the the giant wolf and all that, but there's mm -hmm. like Bigfoot sightings and, and dogman sightings, if I'm not mistaken mm -hmm. as well. Right. Yeah. Maybe it's some, some Thunderbird stuff. Is that true? Yes. There's um, the, the wife in the story was walking on a ridge and she felt something large kind of dive bomb her a couple times without seeing the figure itself. She heard it mm -hmm. and felt sort of the, the wake generated mm -hmm. by the wind. So there's that. Uh, there's definitely Bigfoot or Sasquatch sightings. And the problem with that for skeptics is that there, some of those sightings are um, connected to things like seeing a creature crawling out from what appears to be a, a celestial <laughs> pipeline or a portal mm -hmm. and dropping down to the ground and then crawl, like doing an army crawl, either going in or out of that portal. Yeah, I've seen that too. Stuff like <laughs> Wait, celestial. I've never heard that. I just made that up. Celestial pipeline. Yeah. Man, we got to make, make a movie That's called the celestial pipeline. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. I'm going to let's trademark that right, yeah. right away. But, wow. So it's it's things like that. Oh man, small town monsters graphic novel. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, you know how I feel about the phrase high strangeness at mm -hmm. this point, but this is the the dictionary definition of high strangeness. Yeah. It's so much jammed into one physical location with and it it would be enough if it was that. But it's against the backdrop of history that is incredibly bizarre where you have, you know, um, the, the push and pull between indigenous people and settlers and warfare. I mean, there's this whole section in there I had totally forgotten about regarding the Buffalo soldiers, that uh, a great deal, a great number of the Buffalo soldiers that were involved in some of these battles between Native American and uh, American troops um, were Masons. And there's like this yeah, whole Masonic. Back. It does. It, 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 there's this whole um, thing about like seeing Masonic imagery carved into the side of cliffs and stuff out Man, there. It's wild. And taking that even a step further, there was in this in chapter one or two, you've got them being in dialogue with uh, a native person saying, you know, um, now the problem with this plot of land is that this is where many of the Buffalo soldiers were buried and we came in and started building stuff on top of that. So it's like the opposite of the old story mm -hmm. of the white settlers building on top of indigenous people's burial grounds. Here you have indigenous people building on top of African-American soldiers and like all of these things the the focal point in the center is the Uinta Basin. Jeez. It's just absolutely fascinating. And uh, it. bottom line is I read like the first three, four chapters last night and I would, I really want to go out there now. I was like Google mapping 
this reservoir that's sort of central and abuts the um how bad do you want to go well it, it's I, I would like to go right. it would be really interesting to go there make um, that happen i can yeah. make that happen next year <laughs> i'm being serious yeah. if you yeah. want to go bad enough because i want to go too that was actually like on on our We'll talk mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. Oh, I imagine this is in the film. I, I don't know how it couldn't be, but evidently the properties changed hands from yeah. the family that's at the center of the activities yep. here. And I, I could hardly blame them if they were done talking about that or didn't want to do that anymore at this point. So I don't know what access to that, the actual ranch is. Mm-hmm. But in a certain way, as you as you read through the book, having access to the actual ranch seems less important than just being in that general area mm-hmm. because it's the general area where all of this history exists is not just located on that one ranch proper. It's similar to like Chestnut Ridge or um, yeah. Adams, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, I guess my reaction to it is I don't really get creeped out by a lot of this material no, that yeah. we deal with, yeah. but for some reason, Skinwalker gets under my skin a little hmm. bit. I don't know why that is per se, except when you get into specifically the skinwalker stuff and the Native American origins of that. And if half of what they say is true about skinwalker, it's extremely disturbing. Hmm. Like how if you are someone who wants to become a skinwalker, the type of stuff that you have to do, hmm. it's pretty dark. And I, I guess a little bit of that. Yeah. So... I don't know, you know, I don't know how much of that actually fig- factors into what this family experienced. And there's not really a despite the title, there's not really a direct line that they draw between like a skinwalker was menacing this family. Mm-hmm. It, there's nothing necessarily that suggests that, but yeah. but certainly there's a cultural history in that area that would lead one to say, well, you've got that kind of stuff going on and there's a a history of native witchcraft in those tribes suggests something. Mm. Um, yeah, I I want to I want to get into that story at some point. We've talked about it. I mean, we we were going to do a Skinwalker Ranch movie. I even had conversations with Nap. Unfortunately, it was priors right before they released that movie. Mm-hmm. Not right before; it was in the same year they released it. Um, ch- check out the movie. If nothing else, I do know that the movie has some cool visual elements and you can at least get to see what the, the area is like. I own the movie. I don't hate the movie. I, I really want to deep dive into that story and it just hasn't been done yet. So, um, yeah, wrap us up. What what final thoughts on Skinwalker Ranch? Well, I I would absolutely recommend getting your hands on the book. It's It's gone through, you know, numerous publications at this point, so it's easily available. Mm-hmm. and the the there's little touches to this story maybe this too is why it, it creeps me out as it does is that the people that they bought the ranch from is just this, this small you know uh, ranch style home it's not a palatial estate by any stretch of the imagination but they said this relatively small home when they bought it one of the things they noticed right away is that there were deadbolts on the in and outside of every door and window and they just chalked it up to, you know, we're out here in the middle of nowhere. There's there's very little in the line of defense beyond ourselves. That's probably why. Mm-hmm. And they found out that probably wasn't the only reason why they had this extreme sort of um, 
home self-defense, systems. home security <laughs> system. Right, exactly. And it, it's details like that that, to me, really make this uh, a quintessential high strangeness story mm-hmm. because you just get the sense it, it's it's a, a tragic story in a way just because you have this family who who very hopefully purchases this property and they really they're just going there to try and make a living. Yeah. And then become the center of all of these things that they can't explain. And um, they're always just one step behind some sort of discovery. And it's just a a level of upset and disturbance. You can just, it comes through loud and clear. There's no need to dramatize it at all. Mm. So um, I would say you check out the book as well by Kelleher and Knapp. It's it's very well done, Uh, as I just said. They don't have to make it scary. There's, it just is. It just is. Yeah. Um, if you like the show, you can leave us a rating or review on iTunes. You can find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I can't think of anything else. Oh, uh, monstropolismail at gmail.com. Yeah. We love letters, as yeah. you can tell. We can build a whole show around one. <laughs> We'd right. like to do that. Yes, please, actually. You're saving us a lot of work. So, all right. Thanks for listening. Monsteropolis is proudly presented on Wadsworth Community Radio 97.1 FM or streaming live at wadsworthcommunityradio.com. It is proudly underwritten by Thurber's Jewelers on the Square in downtown Wadsworth.